Ladies and gentlemen, and our friends beyond the binary, it is time to put your ears together for Indie A. <laughs> you give up your pursuit or we will fire at will. I love you. Oh, I know. So I want you to find this girl. Can you have a baby? Oh, please. The old sin I. Go ahead. Make my audio drama. Sounds engineer, we have a problem. Talking to me? I'm talking to you. Don't see any other actors in this booth. You can't handle the booth. I'm looking at you, Patreons. Hello, and give me a woo-woo if you're making new, fresh, indie audio fiction right now. Can you just put it down for a minute? Just save your progress, finish that sentence, bookmark that sound effect, and welcome to Indie, indie AF. AF today. I am honoured to chat to the brilliant Anthony Olivieri all about microfiction. Enjoy. Are we ready? All right. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the most exciting, brand spanking, shiny new episode of Indie AF with me, Sarah Golding of Quirky Voices and more. How are ya? I do hope your creative juices are running wild and free, you know. Have I a treat for you lucky folks today? Yes, I've got a less than small amount of time, some micro time, if you will, to introduce this beauteous they, them, voice actor of audio joy in many groovy shows, including All I See, Girl in Space, Jealous Ascending, and of course, as my missing son Buddha in the brilliant Good point podcast, subjective truth. I know Jeremy Ellett is writing season two, so hurry up, Jeremy. I want to find out if they find my lovely son so I can make him a welcome home Garfield cake and lasagna. Where was I? Uh, yes, welcome to this creator of worlds and characters in minute snippets of audio joy, one of the most recent pioneers of microfiction in the indie audio space, creator of 2298, Limbo, Great and Terrible, Magic Kingdom, oh, the easiest of all the hard things, and so much more. Welcome to the show, Anthony Olivieri! That, I, I don't think I could ever imagine a better introduction. Yeah, there's that. fireworks like, no and one will ever cheering. Clap! <laughs> People are doing Mexican waves across their countries there's flowers that being thrown incredible. how are you shall i keep going we need to just adore you <laughs> and your work more welcome anthony to the show i'm doing well i had a i had a long and busy week and that just erased all the anxiety from it you're the Yay! best i'm i'm so excited to talk to you like you said uh before we were recording it's been so long since i got to talk to you it's been far too long someone must be eating time because either that or we're enjoying ourselves too much right and time is going quickly because of that but <laughs> maybe maybe a little of column A, a little of column B. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I blame the Hadron Collider, but that's another story. So <laughs> We should definitely talk about that off, oh, uh, off recording, because I also believe that the Hadron Collider created a alternate universe that we are now suffering from do you know that needs to be a podcast fiction we should work on that uh, would be so good <laughs> that would be so awesome it would i think we should definitely do that um but beyond that or before that uh you are just entrenched in making some beauteous stories in what is described oh, as you. microfiction. yeah so i guess first what would be wonderful to just get from your perspective is what does that mean what is microfiction? Yeah. mean and and how do you do it <laughs> well so anyone can do microfiction first mm. of all um and my favorite thing is helping people realize that that they can do microfiction too and yeah. uh, the idea is that you make a 
show where no episode will be longer than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, They can be as short as one minute, two minutes, three minutes. They can vary in length, but as long as no episode exceeds 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. then you have a micro. And so you may already be making one. Uh, There are times where I describe what a micro is like at a convention or something. And people will say, oh, I've been making a micro and like they don't even realize it, uh, (laughs) which is kind of of funny. (laughs) Brilliant. And with regards to like uh, the the working in that form, why why do you prefer that kind of way of telling stories and and what kind of challenges do you relish in making it that way instead of sort of longer form? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, it's always been about how when I think about writing, I think about writing in terms of like little snapshots that jump from frozen frame to frozen frame to frozen frame. Like I think very much in an old uh, viewfinder format. Do you remember viewfinders as a kid? Mm, I do. I love yeah. them. All the click click. That's like kind yeah. of how my brain tells stories even to this day. Like every uh-huh. time I think about a movie, right? Like remember remember your favorite movie. Uh-huh. If you're like me, you think about it in like maybe five scenes, seven scenes, eight scenes at most, right? And they're just little freeze frames that shoot like kind of into your memory, into your focus. And that's how I think Mm -hmm. about stories. That's how I think about memory and life. And so telling stories in the same way that like my memory works and the same way my brain works, I feel like it has a Mm -hmm. more immediacy and like a more a tangible impact to a person when they listen. And I don't have any data to support this. This is really just like in my own brain, but um, it it really feels like this connection to how you will remember the story anyway. Like, you know, I, I felt like if I told a 30 minute story, people would still probably only remember that like, you know, two to three minutes, maybe five minutes of intense, impactful, consequential content. And so I was like, uh-huh. maybe I'll just maybe I'll just do those scenes only. And it kind of spiraled uh-huh. from there. And then I started researching other microfiction authors because, you know, I didn't invent microfiction as a thing, uh-huh. but um, mm-hmm. and I didn't even pioneer it uh, in audio drama. I would give that credit to uh, Rick Coast. Or, um, yes, we love Rick. Yeah, Coast Aaron and Aaron yeah. Keon, um, and mm-hmm. Lee uh, Davis of uh, yeah, Love yes. and Luck. Um, th- like I would give credit to them for pioneering the format, but I would say, yeah, once I fell in love with it, I researched what they did. I, you know, I researched what writers were doing and and how to write in that kind of format. Yeah, and essentially, if you wanted to write micros, it comes down to can you take three sentences of content and say that in one sentence Mm. or can you do it in sound design alone right without words i love Um, that yes you know it it almost becomes a game (laughs) yeah Yeah. but i also love the the visual aspect you've just given i've actually never really thought of storytelling like that but you're kind of it's the second time using the word epiphany in the podcast today but (laughs) like the the fact that yes if I think of my favorite film is Brazil it always will be forever and yeah I just think of just some of the core moments in in that because Gilliam as you know is massively visual anyway and what yeah Terry Gilliam is a genius bloody legend and and yeah I've never really thought about that visually because when you started to say about it I thought oh you think in comic books but when you then said about that you know the old viewfinder 
groovy things of, of youth. <laughs> That's just what a wonderful way to really kind of pare it down to the essential moments. I used to get way. so excited too. Did you get excited when you would get like a new viewfinder yeah. would come out for like a TV show that was a favorite of yours? Yeah, or a movie superhero ones. Viewfinder, and yes. they would have to distill the whole show or or like a whole movie down into how I forget how many. I forgot oh how God, many I scenes a viewfinder could hold. I feel like it was like maybe 20 yeah, or so well, at I most. think it was 20. 3D vision. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. perfect. Think about that as like one viewfinder is one season of micro audio drama, right? 20 episodes, 20 little snapshots. I love That's it. your season. That's your micro, right? We're, we're just making viewfinders yeah. for the modern era. <laughs> I now would love someone now to go through all of your micro fiction seasons and make that fan art for 20 of those That would be moments. very Wouldn't cool. Wouldn't that be groovy? That would be very cool. But I absolutely adore that way of thinking about it and, and just, you know, really getting down to the essential content. And I mean, as far as starting off with making these kind of short epics <laughs> um are you a plotter or a pantser how have you created your pieces or, or has that changed over time as well well it's funny because you you nailed it there at the end where it's changed over time i started as a complete pantser okay <laughs> like complete and utter you know like this is how i see the scene and yep. when the scene ended, it felt like the episode ended. Like, mm -hmm. and I didn't know really what I was doing. Like, I it took me a while to realize what I was doing was writing scenes as as episodes and episodes as micros. Right? Like, it took me a while to figure out what I was doing because, like, like I said, I was pantsing it completely and just <laughs> you know ending a scene when I thought I should. Uh, yeah. And so, over time, though, what's happened is. I've started to try to plot more, um, you know, Faith McQuinn, uh, of, oh, uh, Apollyon mm. and, you know, um, observer picks did yeah, a, boom. a mm. yeah, boom, uh, is brilliant, super cool and gave a talk at a convention I was at recently. That's like stuck with me to this day. The convention was like over a month ago. Yeah, um, yeah. and you know how rare it is for, for talks to, to be popping into your brain yeah, that yeah. far after, right? You know, they, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but it's stuck there because, and Sarah Ray Werner, one of my idols and close friends, um, yeah. also talks about this. You know, Jordan Cobb, another close friend and idol of mine, talks mm -hmm. about this. Uh, you know, Caroline Minx. I could go on and on and on Fantastic about these people who, all. yeah, who, mm -hmm. who really kind of instill in me look how much better of a writer you might be if you plan some things a little bit because <laughs> i mean they might argue they're not complete planners either but they do planning um they they use planning in a, at a level that i don't or haven't mm -hmm. and so i try to just learn from those people and to what faith you know was talking about was you know the more you write about your characters and the more you write about your stories even when you're writing just biographies and, you know, arc ideas and things like that, the mm. the better you'll feel when you go to start writing the actual scripts. Right. And it took me a while to realize that that is true because mm. I used to get so antsy and anxious, like, I'm never going to write the script if I try to plan it. Okay. And maybe that's true. Like, maybe a story is just bursting to come out. Mm. Planning it is like a hindrance. But there are instances recently where I'm thinking of planning and actually doing more planning and seeing how beneficial it is. So 
I don't think there's any one correct way. I, I love kind of vacillating, you know, between ways and, and learning from the people I admire, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I mean, while you're writing, so kind of what tools and, and things do you utilize? And, and where do you get your inspiration for your stories, too? I think that's a fascinating question for any writer to kind of yeah. give us some information on. Absolutely. Well, so for tools, again, I have to give another shout out to um, uh, Jordan and Sarah, who got me mm. on Keltex, which okay, is like yeah. where I write all my scripts. Um, I know there's a paid version. I hope they won't be mad at me for saying this, but like I don't use the paid version, but I can still write everything I need to in it, right? Like there's no limitations to the free version. There's just tons right. of enhancements when you get the paid. So if you're like me and you just want to use the paid version and you want to write your whole season in Keltex, like you can do that. The yep, formatting access. is really, really native, I feel like. Like it's just so reflexive it feels so easy yeah intuitive one. yes mm -hmm. um it's mm -hmm. so so uh good to use if you're a new script writer like i was i used to like i used to write my scripts as prose in pages i think you remember this you know when i yeah. sent you the limbo script you remember my, yeah, my yeah, script yeah. was like it was just written as though i was typing something up in a in a doc like it wasn't sure. formatted at all well you know so still worked. i could read it i could <laughs> perform it it's all good <laughs> well you're amazing you can you can make anything work uh but oh, thanks. i uh i've <laughs> learned now to use a, a script formatting site and keltex is is the best for me Brilliant. i do use logic to produce and record okay, things yeah i am apple everything to be yeah, honest this uh, house so. is full of apple it's i'm surprised we, yeah. we haven't got branded clothes on to be honest as well but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I i also just like to keep an ecosystem you know, uh -huh. familiarity yeah. anxiety brain it, it helps me to have all kind of similar things yeah that makes sense absolutely and i mean how much research as well do you put into your pieces is there a lot of kind of depth and delving or is it very much stuff come from your own life experience and thoughts and and, and storytelling prowess i'm su i'm such a researcher it's uh mm. it's crazy and i i <laughs> i won't do it for things that are purely fantasy from my brain right because okay. i'm inventing it you know there's nothing really mm. to research but i recently i wrote an episode of something that i don't i don't even know if i can speak about it but okay. when it comes out you'll probably know exactly what I'm talking about based on my description here. I'll be very covert. Mm -hmm. um, I had to do a lot of uh, research about something that happened in like the 18th century. Okay. And um, I wanted it to be very accurate. Yeah. You know, like the, the setting that I chose is historical. You know, it's not a fantasy I'm making up in my brain. So mm -hmm. I did pages and pages of research wow. about this royal family in France mm -hmm. and, you know, I in, guessed in, right, the late, I guessed right. <laughs> in the late 1800s yes. and all this stuff. And so um, people are losing their heads over this. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That was good. That was very good. I couldn't help myself. Uh, but no, that's brilliant. And, and, and how much of then of that then really helps you to tell that story? Would you feel oh, like you can everything. live it even more or yeah, what what aspects of that I, research help? I think I think it helps simply because then I don't have to worry about the smaller things. I can focus on things like 
what their emotions are, right? Right. What their motivations are, what their thought process is like. Mm-hmm. If I don't have to worry about, you know, what their shoes would have looked like or, <laughs> yeah. you know, or what the room would have been described as or what things might have been in there or what their titles might have been, things yeah. like that, you know, the just the, that kind of minutia that really helps flourish writing like that minutia is so important i think to to really embellishing a script but it's also stuff that i kind of just as a get out of the way like i don't (laughs) you know like when i'm writing the script i don't want to worry about those things i really only want to worry about the human elements of the script and so yeah I, i mean when i'm making it up as i go along i don't have that luxury but if I'm doing a project where I have a setting that is historical in any way, I will do like an obscene amount of research. It's mm. kind of funny, actually. No, I love it. I love it. And I think more people should, if they're not, start. <laughs> and uh, An- Another thing, actually, mm. I'll give you that's a, maybe a spoiler of something that I want to do in the future and, and working on uh, with someone uh, right now, a couple people actually right now that that listeners may know from the audio drama community. So it's a project I'm very excited about, but it's based on a situation that happens at a train station that really exists. Okay. And so I was like doing research as to, you know, the schedule at this train station, the stops that this train station, you know, ends at and begins at and makes stops at. And, Mm. you know, like just things that I found myself sitting back and wondering, you know, why I do this, like you said. And, and, and so it's funny you're asking me about it now because I don't even know if I could stop myself. It might be compulsive. <laughs> but I love that. And I, I, like you, like if something is based in reality, I get so embroiled in it. And uh, yes, you can't but help but uh, become, yeah, almost completely enveloped in, 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 in just pushing your knowledge forward of what's happened in this this scenario well that, that sounds fantastic so hopefully you've inspired people to actually yeah get, get researching to add some more beauteous full roundedness to your your pieces and i guess the next thing i want to ask is like how do you know when something's finished how do you know when it's ready to give to your oh actors? yes and... the the ultimate question <laughs> of, of i mean It's always funny because I think there's a two-part question there in terms of like, how do you know when something is finished and how do you know how you should end something? Right. (laughs) Right? Because Mm. like, once I know how I'm going to end it, then I'll know when I've reached the finish line. And a lot of times for me, it's very hard to figure out how I want to end things. Mm. Um, For example, no spoilers, I don't think, but... 2298 doesn't necessarily have an ending. Right. Mm, it's ended. Mm, mm. Um, and there, you know, it connects to other shows that you may listen to, and it may, mm. and those shows may give you hints as to what that ending is, right? But it doesn't mm. necessarily have one. Yeah. Um, I love those tendrils. Magic Kingdom. Mm. Yeah, Ma- Magic Kingdom, kind of the same. Like if I go through all my shows you could tell that I'm very afraid of endings <laughs> or, or or committing to firm endings. Mm. Whoops! Whoops. Hey, what did you say? Enjoy your audio pictures of the day. Hi. Hello, everyone. This is Randy Parker, sometimes creator and always fan of audio theater with my top five fiction podcast recommendations. Number one, we're Alive, from the legendary Casey Wayland. 
This epic four-season zombie apocalypse thriller is to audio drama what The Walking Dead is to TV. KC's style of audio theater, which he calls theater for the mind, is an inspiring and iconic example of what audio theater can achieve. You can hear KC right here with Sarah on episodes three and four of Indie AF. At number two, nearly anything from the incomparable Lauren Shippen. My personal favorites are The Bright Sessions, about the supernaturally atypical patients of a mysterious psychotherapist, and Passenger List, starring Kelly Marie Tran as a college student who untangles the conspiracy theories around a tragic plane crash that killed her brother. Lauren appeared on NDAF on episodes 11 and 12. My third pick, The Patron Saint of Suicides, written by Alex Dolan and produced by Audio HM Media. The mystery, about a rash of suspicious deaths on the train tracks of Oakland, perfectly captures the ambiance of the San Francisco Bay Area and the emotional anguish of tragedy. At number four, The Oyster is a beautifully written character drama set in the aftermath of an environmental collapse that has forced humanity to live underground. The devastating story has a sterling cast led by Logan Browning and top-notch sound design. At number five, told mostly in found footage format, The White Vault is a creepy suspense thriller with supernatural mysteries, immersive sound design, diverse characters, and an international cast. As a bonus, in special episodes, the creators at Fool and Scholar Productions provide tons of fun behind-the-scenes insights into the making of the podcast. My honorable mention goes to Q-Code, whose audio dramas I excluded from this list to focus on smaller independent podcasts. That said, I'd highly recommend most of Q-Code's productions for their gripping stories, all-star cast, and polished sound design. You can find a longer list of my top audio drama recommendations on my blog at emusements.com. About every month or two, I add more recommendations. Thank you, Sarah Golding, for letting me share my top five audio dramas on Indie AF. Whoops, woo-hoo. What did we do? We shared pod AF highlights with you. Hi. Honestly, the firmest ending I might have is Limbo, the show that, that you were so wonderfully in. That might be the, the one that most clearly Completion ends. In a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But... You know, I, I think that that's a that's a huge question. So what I would say is, once you determine how you want to end your story, that's how you know you'll you've reached the finish line or you've reached the ending, and that the story is finished. Right. Um, normally, though, like on just a like a macro level, mm-hmm. I tend to like to finish the story once the protagonist has changed. Right. Uh-huh. You know, like uh-huh. kind of, kind of not too long after that moment. Like maybe you get a glimpse of seeing them in their new life, like right. having gone through the arc Hero's that you told. Journey or but what have you? Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm very classic. I think in that sense, where I really want to tell the 
the protagonist's arc,、mm. show you that glimpse of what that might look like, and then pull away and let you imagine the rest. Yeah, and I love that ambiguity of anything. I mean, I think you know, that's why, in a way, also Brazil is one of my favorite films because it's not a happy ending. We don't get that very often,、uh, and I think there should be more. Make people like go no, <laughs> and and love their real life even more. But- <laughs> Brazil is such a mind blowing experience. Like, if you haven't watched, I feel it. like this episode is is brought to you by. Uh, Terry Gilliam in, in Brazil, <laughs> and so it should be. Everyone should watch it. It's amazing,、um, but yeah, and I, I think beyond that as well. You know, you've worked and collaborated with a, a numerous fantastic folk across the the audio drama world. I've been and, super lucky. And you, you did start off, however, with your your own single voice,、um, and、uh, I, I think that that fascinating as well. Sort of the different projects and and how they've developed. So how do you involve other people? What have you Done to involve these other wonderful collaborators with your work, and what would you recommend other people do if they want to get folks involved in their shows? How do they cast the the most fun people and perhaps other technical elements to to the team? Yeah, what would you suggest? That that's a, that's such a great multifaceted question.、Mm-hmm. I want to I want to try to answer all all pieces of it. So for for me, I think what ended up happening was, like you said, I. I made a show where I voice acted in it, I produced it, I I even played the synth sounds that you hear in the background. So like I guess I technically composed、yes、for it, but、did. calling that composition is an insult <laughs> to composers.、Um, so, but I, I say all that to mean I thought I was completely alone at first、right. because I didn't know anyone and I didn't know how to introduce myself to anyone without. Putting a show out first, and so、right. I think that that is something more people might explore. It's not easy,、yeah. but I think a lot of people try to do a full cast, full production team, you know, project immediately,、right. and that's daunting. Like、mm-hmm. that's really difficult.、Oh、gosh, and I've seen it. it you know, I've seen it have. Detrimental effects to brand new creators, and so what I think happened was people saw me doing all the things that I could do, you know, some better than others,、oh, and、uh, and they reached out, right?、Yeah. And I reached out as well to people who I also saw doing the most and、uh, who I was fans of,、mm-hmm. and you just started dialogue, right? And you're just. The people who don't reach back out to you, you don't hound them, right? You kind of leave it be. And、oh. the people who reach back out to you, you know, they're your people, and you just kind of find who your people are. And I've just gotten really, really lucky that some of my people are, like, like you said, some of the most talented and、sure. creative names in the entire community. I just, including yourself, right? So, like,、oh. my 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 best advice is to do those things. But also, I have to admit, some of it will be luck, right? Like、uh, the people who reach back out to you are going to be the people who reach back out to you. And so, you know, I'm the type of person who I will, you know, my DMs are open.、Mm-hmm. I'll always reply to you. I don't know, you know, how much help I can provide, but I will never not answer、sure. you, right? Or、mm-hmm. like if you send me a trailer and are like, hey, what, you know, what do you think? Um, I'll always give it a listen because that. I mean, Mac Rogers very much explicitly did that for me. Right. Wow. You know, like I, Gosh, I, yeah, I sent Mac a trailer、yeah. of Twenty Two Ninety Eight like way back in twenty seventeen,、yeah. and Mac was like, 
you know, I think this would be a better hook, you know, oh, just kind of listened and gave me genuine advice, like a good person. Isn't that and so, yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you just kind of pay the actions forward that have mm. made you feel good. And if you do That's that so and you reach out to people, yeah. you know, things will just, luck will kind of find you. I, I know that's cheesy, but it, it's it's partly based on actions, mm -hmm. but you can't control it. Sure. Um, sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the space as well has got a little bit more, dare I use the word, I'm going to say it, woke. I'm sorry, I said it. Just as in, you know, people are surging forward with the fact that some of the way things have been will not do. <laughs> um, so things like yeah. we we are encouraging as a whole kind of community now, folks, to use to lie sensitivity readers and to think about diversity of cast and to be polite and thoughtful in your casting calls and things like that. Have you seen any of that kind of element? change your practice too at all in the last few years i i will say so yeah and honestly for the better in in every way you know i think mm. that um being able to understand more like what i should and shouldn't be doing when i write things it, it's yeah. kind of like the it's kind of like what we were talking about before with um you know learning from my peers as to how to be a better writer uh -huh being a better writer sometimes comes with being a better person, mm -hmm. uh, weirdly, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so like, the more I learn the better ways to be a writer, it also helps me understand things more and be a better person. So like, I'm, I'm really, you know, stoked about all the things that I've learned so far and, and, and can continue to learn. And so I'll say it does affect the thought that I put into things, which right. again is, is positive, yeah. but thoughtfulness comes with time. Right? right. And so I think that's another thing is, is new creators should be more patient <laughs> than I think we were. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because like you said, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the community now is, is not going to play around and, and it shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I love our community because we're one of the few that I think for the most part, part um you know i i i always there's always gonna be a few to, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i always hesitate to um to say that we're so great because there's so many instances where we haven't been but um in comparison i always feel like we've been a step ahead even if we're many steps behind where we should be mm -hmm. and so i don't ever want to fall behind even further Absolutely. to where other places are i guess is where i'm trying to say so mm -hmm. um you know, the more thoughtfulness we can put into our projects, the better. And if it takes a little more time, then then so be it. And I think also it lends itself to those projects I was saying where, you know, if it takes more time for you to plan your project out correctly because you want to do things, uh, you know, with sensitivity to anyone involved or, um, you know, the topic that you're writing about or, or what so, you know, whatsoever you're doing. Yeah then I think it also is an opportunity for you to maybe do the production and the, and the acting and all these other things, right. To compensate for that time, because a lot of times what is difficult is correlating schedules. Absolutely. You know, Goodness me. If you're doing everything yourself yeah. other than, you know, sensitivity reading and editing and, you know, um, making sure that your cast is, uh, is diverse and inclusive if you're doing everything else, then you're going to make up for that time that you've spent doing those other things. Yeah. 
Uh, and then everything will will be as it should. And we are our own harsh taskmaster, aren't we? I think that's the thing. It's like at the moment, I'm aiming for this podcast to start coming out in November to the real world and to uh, October for my lovely Patreons who are wonderful and supporting what I do. And I, I think that is a flexible, movable thing, right? I'm not going to because life is crazy right now especially <laughs> i'm not going to be yeah. beating myself up if that doesn't happen and i think you've got to be like that especially right now when things are particularly upheavally kind of um, mountainous <laughs> so yeah it's about being kind to you and really thinking what will work and, and having reasonable set tasks and set goals that aren't going to burn you out <laughs> Um, yeah, 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 and it's it's really doing things with intention from the beginning. Mm. I just recently read an awesome article um, by Tao Manir yeah. um, on on casting with intention. Yes, absolutely. And mm. and it really extend like what they said extends to everything, right? Yeah. Like doing everything with intention from the beginning. And so it's like you know, like you were talking about before with um, you know inclusivity and, and diversity and sensitivity reading um, on top of, you know, having these larger casts yeah. um, in general and production teams, writing teams now are even becoming a thing. Sure, having to yeah. manage all of this, right? Mm. And, and it, it, it is a large yeah. task mm -hmm. and it is a lot of work. But if you do everything with intention from the beginning and you take small, intentional, purposeful steps and have patience with yourself and can and can really see the journey through, yeah. then it, it will be worth it in the end. Yep. Um, Lots of lists. It will be like that twi <laughs> It will be like that Twitter joke. I don't know. Did you see it where um, someone was like, "Oh, I spent the last you know two years making these twenty episodes of audio drama," and then it's like, "Listener, thank you for two days of of enjoyment. I appreciated that." And it's like. You know, that will still be a reality, but it will be worth yeah. it, I promise. This is it. And this is, I think, the exciting thing of that anybody within, you know, a certain amount of budget, you need a little bit, but, you know, there's a lot of free access stuff. Anybody can get something out onto a free platform within half an hour if they want to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but let's, I mean, yeah. if you want to make a show for zero dollars and zero cents, yep. I can help you do that. Mm -hmm. I've done that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, you know, you will have to do everything yourself. So you won't be compensated for your time, which is right. the you crazy won't be thing. Maybe you can give yourself time. a self-massage or yeah. a bath. You'll have to make your own music. You'll have yeah. to use your own, make your own Foley, use free sound. Yeah. Um, you know, act as the only role or every role. Like if you're Gabe Alvarez and can yeah. throw your voice to five different characters, then maybe you can, you know, make it interesting or just, but you know, you can do like, it is possible mm. to do a completely $0 show, but then it calls into question how you're valuing your own time and self-compensation. Oh, and underline that. Say that again. What was that you just said? How you value how you your own time. Value your own time, people. Yeah, I'm guilty of that too, I've got to say. But, you know, I think that's what underlies it all is that, you know, we do, I think compensation is coming into, and that, I don't think even that's the right word, pay, I think is the right thing I want to say, yeah. is coming into the um, the environs of audio drama, isn't it? A little bit more and there's a little bit more advertising. And, you know, I think that the fat cats who come in thinking this is going to be a money money maker initially because they've got this <laughs> wonderful idea.
idea. Well, yeah, that that laugh says it all, right? It's not going to happen overnight. But, you know, the shows that I think that are doing successful things, and there's a few things that I'm involved in that, you know, have given me fantastic pay rates, you know? And so, you know, I think there are some wonderful things happening. So it is possible to make something sustainable, and it is possible to pay everybody at least something up to and be above minimum wage to make it work. Um, But let's just pair back for a moment with regards to your practice. So with with regards to recording your shows, you've been preliminarily remote. Is that right throughout your pieces or have you done any others in in person? How how do you record it, all your different shows? Exclusively remote, yeah. Mm. Only ever uh, have I done remote recording so far. And, And honestly, I've been a director on a show where there was live recording Mm. And I've been present at table reads before. I will say they are. I, I will say they are very beneficial. Yeah. But I'll also I'll also mm. say that like one thing I'm curious about exploring is both. Right. Yeah. Like not live recording, but doing table reads, doing you know meetups where you read through the script. You know, director and actor talk about different things. And then let that actor go and do it remotely on their own, right? And give you a few takes. Um, I I really like a combo approach. And I haven't done it yet, but Mm. I think that's the kind of... It's like we've been talking about, you know, evolving your practices. I think think my practices Mm. are evolving toward more of, you know, let's sit down as writer, director, and actor and go through the script, read it together, talk about different things. You know, we don't have Mm. to record it live in that moment, uh, but... It could be it could be beneficial i've also been really lucky too where every actor i've worked with because i haven't really done that yet and i've just like sent them the scripts and said you know here's a few sentences about the role i trust you you know yes. like that's amazing i the yeah. actors i work with are so good that that's worked <laughs> yeah that yeah. i worry that if i do it a different way it might seem like, you know, I'm questioning them, which I, I'm not, but like, I always want to get better. I always, I always want to feel like I'm doing things that help the people I work with. Like I always talk, I always talk about making a show is also being like a show champion, right? Like you have to champion Uh your show and like the people in it. And so like, how can I help make my actors better like can i make my actors better and so it yes you can it really is this whole yeah this whole sort of uh dilemma where I'm, i want to try to do more interactive things before mm. recording remotely but yeah up until this point it's been only remote recording yeah and i love that i think it's really interesting from the voice actor's perspective i think i'm better remote i think i i, yeah. I love i love the connectivity of a table read and then there's no pressure at that table read to record if you're recording as well as table reading that's a hell of a lot of other things going on um <laughs> because obviously yeah. you're listening and responding you're checking your levels you're doing all the things you would normally do on your own but with the pressure of other people pushing the energy of the the piece along 
and I, I adore being directed. I must say that. Um, I'm not saying I'm the best person to be directed. Sometimes maybe I just, you know, go off on my own. Sarah owns them and <laughs> it's like have to reel me back in. But um, I love being directed. And I think with Oz9, for example, every two weeks now, we're just starting season four again. Um, we're doing two episode table reads on every other Saturday. And then we That's record awesome. on our own um, those episodes for our lines. And yes, they asked for, Shannon asked for two or three takes. Um, and she allows me to be a little bit extra Sarah with some of the lines which is wonderful so yeah I just think I think that creative freedom is 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 better for me I think I've been on some recordings for for example the circle and a few others that that were I don't think my zoom connection was very good right so I couldn't quite hear yeah. people properly or something else was or happening <laughs> yeah there was a little bit of delay from i think yeah very because we were lots of different time zones from across america and uk and yeah i just think that the pressure on that live record i feel less happy i could still do it but i don't know i think being left to my own devices maybe i've done that a lot lot more right so i'm quite comfortable in yeah. my booth. um well and shout out to shannon as well outline mm. is a is a wonderful oh, show yeah Yes, Shannon. Shannon's bloody genius, right? How on earth Shannon can write two episodes, uh, very short shift, and they're just so fun-packed and full of fun. It's just incredible, just wonderful. So yeah, the whole team, I've got to say, the whole cast is just absolutely hilarious. So I have a great time with them. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Is it finished? <laughs> Oh, no, I think that was too short, wasn't it? Yeah? I'll write to my MP. Uh, now, uh, join me, please, for the next episode where we showcase some clips of Anthony's from various shows and delve a little deeper into his process of making such beauteous stories. Huge thanks also to Randy Parker for his awesome recommendations of his top five audio fiction shows. I hope you'll find them on social media. I'll ping them out on Twitter. And go listen, go find, go enjoy. Thanks, Randy. And what are yours? Do, do ping me your top five and any thoughts on future indie AF as an MP3 if you like or topics you'd like discussed or just write to me and let me know what you've enjoyed about indie AF. I'd love that. <laughs> Thank you so much to my Patreons for their wondrous continual support. Honestly, I could not do this without your support. Thank you folks again for all you do. And if you want to join them too to support Quirky Works, do check out the link and all links to Anthony's works in the show notes. And the next step is out. Hashtag soon. So I'll speak to you then, you glorious folks of audio loving joy. Bye bye.